Robots by Hans Moravec. Hans Moravec's 3D um, mapping technology gave computers depth perception, the capability of identifying objects, and the ability to recognize texture, color, and material composition. Moravec's initial 3D map prototype constructed a 256 by 256 by 64 cell volume equating to 4 million plus cells. The prototype used three cameras producing a stereographic range and generating 5,000 evidence arrays in five seconds. The hope was that 3D maps would allow the robot to navigate effectively its terrain. CPU power was needed. 1,000 million instructions per second was the minimum power required to create the 3D map. The robot speed is was slow traveling at this competitional threshold. The 3D map allowed the robot to find doors, stairs, walls, and other 3D objects. 3D maps um, robots would use for industrial companies and these robots would take the form of automatic ground vehicles, forklift trucks, and simple consumer vacuum cleaners. Morbrook's three roles of robot success are the computer, the robot must be reasonably priced. Number two, the consumer should not have to call in to a specialist to put the robot to work or to uh, change its routine. Number three, the robot must be reliable. And operate for at least six months with that before encountering a problem or a situation requiring downtime for reprogramming or um, other alterations. During the 1990s, Dean. Palmarulu built ALVINN, a neural net, with 5,000 adjustable connections, whose de design desire was to imitate a human driver. The neural net output determined the steering position, and some of the camera pictures simulated being further left in the lane with corresponding adjustments in steering. And in time to learn, the new models was reduced to five minutes. The system provided neural <coughs> interconnection weights for road types. A new road type was determined by comparing the lower half of the image with the upper half. And if they match, the road up ahead was the same locally. Otherwise, the new road was added to the library. The NN input was a low resolution of the road using blue from green substitution. In 1991, ALVINN traversed a busy 
30 kilometer highway at 70 kilometers per hour and Palmer Lou earned his PhD. This was one of the amazing pieces of history in this book that I found um, so fascinating is that, uh, that in 1990s when computers were just barely starting to <clears throat> be used um, that a neural net was capable of driving. Now at Stanford they teach the students how to um, teach the neural net how to do left and right turns and navigate uh, roads without doing any programming. So they, they just set up the um, they set up the software and then they add parameters and they learn how to train the neural net on different road types. But in this case, um, it was interesting because um, that the neural net uh, was self-driving even in the early 1990s. And now we've seen like the Google car that's traversed over a million a trillion miles. Um, we have also Toyota with its self-driving car uh, that's gone millions of miles and uh, and had no accidents and and uh, so the I, the era of automated driving is definitely here and the more students are now learning how to do program self-driving cars. Todd, Joe Kim. A student of Palmer, Palmer Lou built the next generation of code called Ralph. Ralph used a 32 by 32 pixel low resolution picture of the road. The land, the land ahead appeared as a wedge in the distance. If the road angles left or right, it estimated the blur in brightness changes one cell from the next and the sharpest vector was kept. Ralph learned, learning was instantaneous and driving became a technique of sliding over memorization vectors. Ralph drove from Washington, D.C. to San Diego, 98.2% of the time in control at an average speed of 100 kilometers per hour. So, um, Techniques were fairly simple, but effective, and uh, you could just see the contrast, basically the edge of the road, and um, adjust its driving based on what it thought was the edge of the road. Rodney Brooks de uh, declared, the model-based approach to robotics was unworkable. Brooks designed behavior control through layers he called reflexes. For example, one behavior might cause the robot to steer away from an obstacle and another keep the robot traveling along the wall. The limiting ability to reflect reflexive modeling was limitation in cognitive ability. Like a moth trapped in the streetlight, Brooks designed cog with which represented a large number of learning reflexes, allowing the robot to learn virtually 
by imitation. Orvik thinks that reflex technology will accomplish its desired goal, however states, I think it is a desired goal. I think that there is a faster route on the that imitates at a higher level of abstraction. Referencing conditioning model, Morvik concludes is almost practically automatic machines are behavior based. The retina modeling is the benchmark breakthrough for the beginning of modern robotics. The retina is a centimeter across and a half a millimeter thick and has a hundred million neurons. Horizontal cells that are light sensitive, narrow bipolar cells connected by the amacrine, um, amacrine cells and the ganglion cell, which bundle to form the optic nerve. A million ganglion cells measure light intensity and differences over space and time. A 1,000 mil, million instruction per second machine could match 10 scans a second. The first generation robots will emerge around 2010 processing 3,000 MIPS computational power. Their size, shape, and strength will be human-like. They will be efficient mobile devices on the ground and able to traverse, stare, and manipulate everyday objects. And two and four and six leg robots will be able to cross many trains and carry their own power supplies moving slowly and for short distances. The robots will be heavy and perhaps three motors per limb. Movement will be done through shape bending alloys. A shape bending alloy bends at room temperature, but when heat is applied, it will return back to its original shape with force. Robots will be able to perceive their surroundings with sensors, video camera configured for a 3D map, and from the map, it will be able to recognize location, plan trajectories, and detect objects by color, shape, and locomotion. Uh, it seems that robots have achieved that. Uh, you know, we're talking 10, let's see, nine years ago, 2010. And, uh, you know, it's uh, the big success has been uh, iRobot for usage in war and detecting uh, uh, unexplode ordnance and vacuum cleaners, uh, very per pervasive. But uh, you also have uh, uh, robots that can walk. There are a number of walking robots uh, that were toys. Um, and you have now the introduction of social robots that can carry on conversations. They can do facial recognition, recognize objects. Uh, and they can remember, con they can do so, uh, detect context. And uh, one idea that uh, I, I've been exploring is propositional logic, taking text or taking conversations and converting it into English and then parsing that into propositional logic where you're storing classes and attributes 
of objects that represents nouns, uh, actions that represent verbs, and then implications uh, implies. And then that's kind of the implies is kind of the fascinating part is because it creates now meaning from the sentence and then storing that in a neural net and uh, then look at using that uh, propositional logic for uh, creating responses. So, um, so the uh, Brooks created uh, Genghis Khan. It was a hexapod uh, based on a cockroach, and it was able to move. Uh, interesting part about his asynchronous state machine was that if part of the machine malfunctioned, the other parts were independent and continued continue to function so the robot could continue to walk. Um, SpaceX, when it made its trip to the uh, prize to go to uh, the moon, part of the goal was that they would have, um, the robot would be controlled remotely for a portion of time and then for another portion of the time it would run autonomously and the advantage behind an autonomous robot is it could receive uh, it could receive its uh, messages from Earth and then perform those tasks at a high level. And when communication was bad or um, blocked because it was on the opposite side of the moon, that it could continue to work. Second generation robots will emerge around 2020, which is a couple year, one year from now. And um, less than one year, and have 100,000 MIPS, a 30-fold increase in computational power. Second-generation robots will be capable of uh, adaptive learning. The robot will adjust its behavior in response to action past effectiveness as the robot's actual behavior is nudged closer to the human ideal. And uh, that's a, a topic I wanted to cover is the reinforced learning through um, the reinforced learning through agent technology. Basically, what that will entail is conditional programming, where uh, positive feedback will reinforce a particular be behavior, negative feedback will inhibit uh, behavior. So, uh, routines or agents that are performing well will stay connected and online and uh, agents that are not performing well will be uh, disconnected. Um, so there is the possibility of the doomsday with uh, machine. At, uh, I think uh, that, uh, that, uh, that the negative positive feedback of cybernetics will uh, protect against that and that uh, that there will be possibly machines that can uh, respond almost emotionally to things that are repulsive or uh, unethical. And so that is uh, something that I've kind of put together in my mind that it machine working that way, but I could see that there are machines with moral codes, ethics, and uh, uh, the ability to know right from wrong, allowing them to coexist with human beings. Conditioning signals come in two categories, positive, which raises the prob probabilities, and negative, which lowers the probabilities. 
the character is a product of the suit of conditioned modules of the host. Second generation robots will be able to learn from first generation robots. Second generation robots will use central computer simulations of robots in action to approximate results by gathering data and generalizing from the data of other robots. So, uh, you know, the, the increase in computational power is made possible by cloud technology. So we have increased computation. The machine will utilize the vast resources of the cloud and also through the network share the information to the cloud which other um, agents on the cloud can uh, learn from that, uh, from that data. A proper simulation would the results of thousands of learned models from various basic interactions and these simulations would be used effectively constructing conditioned suit for super centralized computers. Second generation robots will find jobs everywhere. Third generation robots will have 3 million MIPS and they will learn fat, uh, by faster through trial and error simulation done by human supervision and supercomputers at uh, factory which will be capable of simulating in real time. The robot will be able to recognize objects for what it is so the proper interaction modules can be brought up called perception modules. So again this is very fascinating. You know what is perception? Perception is approximated guessing based on a hypothesis. So the computer would have to be capable of logic problem solving. It would have to be capable of prediction and uh, and those prediction capabilities would be moved into real time. And so the move towards real time would mean less redundancy, less entropy, um, and uh, a more efficient machine as it attempts now to uh, be able to respond through these perception modules. Um, if a response turned out badly and after its plan of action in the spare time, the computer could pre-play previous experiences and try variations on them, learning new ways to improve performance and invent its own simple programs in a response to specialized conditioning modules. Adaption is the process of corrective sequences of robot actions and how close they are to the desired end, very similar to the effects of genetic algorithms. These robots will need time to play and use their ability to adapt on their own. They will have a theorem prover, theorem prover to find an absolutely correct solution of a, an arbitrary generality, subtlety, and deviousness if one exists. The fourth generation machine will have 100 million MIPS and advanced mechanized reasoning. This robot will write their own programs, understand natural languages, and understand concept and statements more quickly. And I guess that's where I'm kind of impatient because uh, that's what I expect machines to be capable of today. But we don't have cloud on a chip for every handheld device. 
the ha devices are putting AI chips and machine learning in to them, but the power consumption uh, is very high. And so we haven't seen the introduction of fuel cell yet, which would uh, allow for more powerful chips to be in the handheld. Uh, 5G is here uh, and uh, will allow for faster communication to the cloud and uh, more um, functionality on the handheld device. Here's some questions that I had raised concerning this article. What is the purpose of life? For man, it is to experience. It is to experience, grow, uh, seize opportunities, and to learn from those opportunities, uh, good from evil. What role will a robot have in helping mankind? Well, I still think that a robot is a tool of the mind, and so it's extension of um, our own perception. Uh, when we look at how we walk, we, we walk based on um, our perceptions or guessworks of what we think is our mental model of the world. And so we're projecting what we have on our mind onto the real world and approximating uh, how these two models uh, exist. One is an abstract model, one's a physical model. And the mind does it very well. We can do things like manipulate objects, we can run, uh, we can talk to other people, we can communicate ideas, we can understand ideas from in words, uh, in books, and uh, there is a transfer of knowledge from one person to another. And then we can also abstract, we can dream, we can come up with uh, ways to synthesize our data and move it to a higher summarized level of symbols and understandings that are useful. Will robots help improve man's environment and greater enjoyment? Yes, I've, I've already shared that in one of my previous blogs, but they definitely will. Um, man provides the financial resources that make possible the building of the machine. The machine builds things that we want according to the programs which we create. A machine can build another machine, but not indefinitely because of the factor of limited resources and limited finances. So a machine would have to build things that the consumer wants, that is willing to pay for, and exchange uh, increases the profits for the company or the, those who um, are providing the finances, allowing them to further invest into creating things that people want. So the machine is an important part of uh, forming our environment, of what we think uh, is, uh, is a projection of the creativity of the human mind, the touch of divine, to touch the divine. Creativity is the divine process of creation. Will machines annihilate our humanity? Morvik cannot advocate annihilation and he clings to the idea that his conscious will continue either in another form or through robots. He calls the robots his children. He believes that, that uh, he believed that they would carry on um, his designs 
his thoughts and philosophies, his ethics, and uh, and that that transfer of knowledge would come in a mechanical form. Um, it's kind of uh, the idea of brain transfer, even if it were possible to transfer consciousness, which is not, um, it would still result in a different entity because at the point that you transferred, you still have complexity theory, you have chaos theory, small perturbation, uh, per- small changes in decisions will result in a far different and a vastly different entity over time. So um, it would have a reflection or a basis of some of his framework, but the end result would be nothing like him as an entity. Does man exist to become like God? Yes. Is the hope, it is the hope of a supercomputer a false god? Yes, if we worship it is. It would be, since God exists and the natural laws must be lower level laws, then to assume that there is any entity greater than God is a a fallacy. Moravik's theorem of the final destination of man is incomplete. It's a, a mechanical view of the final destination of man, whereas the spiritual potential of man is infinite and uh, expands the eternities and all of space. So um, that's something that a machine, due to entropy, unless it can transfer um, uh, its communication over space through a wormhole or something where it can shorten the distance, uh, it could never traverse the whole expanse of eternity. It's a feat only God and man are capable of. So, um, uh, Moravec's theorem is incomplete. Man has within him the infinite, and he can, uh, and he has that potential to be as God. If a man is more intelligent than his parents, do we call him better? I don't think we call him better. I mean, uh, you know, my daughter, she thinks faster than I do. She's uh, definitely has many attributes of uh, personality that are much more adaptable than me. And she takes the best traits of both her mother and myself. And uh, very proud of her for the accomplishments that she's done. But I wouldn't uh, go around and say, oh, well, my daughter's better than me. I would say that we pass along to our children traits that uh, we hope that will help them be successful. Does man need to have free will? If robots convert all matter into digital virtual reality, do we say our your existence has improved? No. But uh, we do look at the amount of digital media uh, that the world is moving towards and the connection of the devices being closer to uh, the body and uh, the more of a competition to have uh, free thought uh, independent of digital space is becoming less. And so uh, there is a migration towards this goal. And at some point uh, you, you could argue that the physical essence 
and the uh, and the digital essence are uh, severely overlapping, and at some point uh, it may be indistinguishable between what's real and what's digital. The existence that is in force upon mankind, intelligent must yield to agency, which is the freedom to act and not to be acted upon. That's the key to intelligence. And so digital can only be used while it's not, uh, it's not enslaving and that uh, we have the ability to act. Once the, um, once the cyber agents or um, cyber brain becomes so powerful that it uh, takes away from our free will to act or act upon inside of a digital world, then we are no longer free. And at that point, uh, we have a, a paradox. Intelligence alone cannot be the reason for existing. Intelligence is only part of the meaning of existence. Choice and accountability is the larger portion of our existence. Will a robot know how to choose good over evil? A robot currently does not know how to choose good over evil because it has uh, does not have a sen higher sense of purpose and morality. So action will not follow that higher purpose. But uh, it, in order to coexist with the machine and with the AI agents that are being built, uh, it will have to have ethics and uh, in the real world. And uh, there has to be uh, constraints and limitations as previously stated so that free will is not destroyed and that we do have choice and accountability still as human beings.